Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. At the turn of the 1900s, two years after a quiet murder involving an out-of-town stage actor and a local doctor's daughter, an esteemed opera house welcomes a progressive vaudevillian troupe from the East for its first performance since the tragedy, and along with it, a veiled actress with a curious intent. That's not a lot of information, but it's the backstory behind this terrific new narrative film coming out uh, called The Riot Act, and we're joined today by the writer and director, Devin Parks. Devin, welcome to Film School Radio. My pleasure. I'm very glad to be here. Was that enough information in my introduction? Do you, do you, what, do you want to add more to that? Uh, you know, it, we've gone back and forth on how to really introduce the film and how to really represent it without giving away too much information because we do have certain elements that we want to keep suspenseful until you're actually watching the film. But I feel like that's pretty, uh, I feel like it's pretty sufficient at this point. Well, where's the story originate? But it's a long, long story. I'll try to cut it short. Um, but... <laughs> You know, the, the entire story, even the entire production of the film, takes place in uh, what was originally my hometown of Van Buren, Arkansas. It's a small border town um, along the, the banks of the Arkansas River, right on the border of Arkansas and Oklahoma. And uh, there's a rich, rich history that lives there. And that's really where the whole story came from. I remember as a kid um, going down onto the main street of this town in Van Buren, going down and, and visiting some of these historical landmarks, namely the King Opera House. It's an old opera house. It was built at the turn of the century, and it still stands. And it's been, it's been restored to its original standing. And, and, and the, the town itself and the whole area, really, this whole area in Arkansas, takes tremendous pride in its history and in the restorations that they've done. It's a major tourism drive for those towns. And I had always, since I was a kid, I'd always been fascinated with it and always felt like I was born in the, the wrong century. I always wanted to be walking those streets as it was. 100 years ago. Well, visiting the, the Opera House, which actually is featured in the Riot Act, the King Opera House, you, as a kid, I was told a story about a ghost that lived there. And, and, you know, you later learn that every historical or famous theater or opera house has a ghost of some kind. And um, I remember hearing about the story of a prominent doctor uh, whose daughter fell in love with a traveling actor that was coming in and performing at this opera house. And she wanted to leave the medical field that her family was heavily involved, and she wanted to per- pursue true love, you could say, or or pursue the business itself and, and act in a complete different field. And um, the story goes, as a true story goes, that uh, that the doctor, overcome with rage of, of hearing of this, and that, that the daughter, his daughter, and this actor were going to skip town one evening, uh, he met the actor at the local train depot on a midnight train out of town, uh, in which they were both going to flee, and he killed the young actor. And that's the true story. That, that's recorded in Van Buren's history. Uh, but what always fascinated me were the bridge between that story and the bridge between this ghost story that they say is the, the ghost of this young actor who was killed, and that he returns to this opera house, and, and he haunts the opera house in search for uh, the, the young daughter of, of the local doctor that he never gets to spend his life with. Right. And it always fascinated me. Uh, because I just, I, I wondered, in all of these stories, the, the people have seen these ghosts and have experienced these myths, where did that really come from? And uh, they attribute it to this particular murder that took place, 
but why? And so I always wondered, um, you know, this, this story, this origin ghost story that I was told as a little kid, what if it happened to be um, just another anomaly from that time? You know, it started 100 years ago. We've attributed it to a murder that took place, but I always wondered if, if it was actually just a coincidence that one night, 100 years ago, someone walking home from, from their job late at night happened to see maybe a janitor, maybe a, maybe a foreman at the opera house standing in a window, and attributed it to a ghost, went home and told the story, and then the story grew from there, and 100 years later, it's still, it's still the same story that's being told. And, and so I, I took those two elements, something that I was fascinated with as a child, and then the story that I later learned more about, I get to research the, you know, the, the true elements of this story about the doctor. And, and I wanted to bridge the two and create somewhat of, of an origin story of that ghost and, and how those, that and the murder you know, came to be connected. You know, I think that's human nature is whenever there's a murder, we're looking for ways to try and temper it or explain it or make sense of it. And sometimes introducing a supernatural element into a story like that helps humans deal with it. You think that's, I agree. I, yeah. I agree completely. And that's one of the elements that I thought. Uh, was so interesting to explore with this particular story was we're seeing we we see a tragedy that happens and we see three individuals that this tragedy happened to right. and we're also seeing the three different perspectives from that same event and three different means of how they're going to deal with it all from uh, different motivations and we're seeing what nobody else did see and that, that's what I wanted this yeah. film to be as an inside look at this tragedy that happened and those directly involved in how they're dealing with it and how it affected them even two years after the fact. Um, and again, after you watch this movie, what could be attributed to uh, this ghost story that stands even 100 years later that we, you know, it may have this entire backstory that we know nothing about. All right. Let me uh, remind our audience that we're speaking with the writer and director of the new film, The Riot Act, and that would be Devin Parks. It, it You... Uh, the film has done exceedingly well at the Los Angeles Film um, Awards. It, I think, it won seven awards. It's a, and I, th- there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of them is, it, it's a great looking film, and the cinematography in it is really, really good in this. And there's also, I would, uh, you know, shout out to kind of to your. Uh, production designer, your set designers, whatever, whoever those people that are responsible for the look of the film, because it has a great look and it it, it has an authentic look, but also it just has it looks really nice under on, in, on camera. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, uh, first off, I, I couldn't echo that um, enough. Uh, production design team is phenomenal and it, it's a special film in that it's not you know we didn't shoot this on a back lot we didn't shoot it on a stage anywhere it's where we could build whatever we wanted and i think that actually added to some of the authenticity in that we came into first off a main street that has been so historically preserved by the city um you know it's a big tourism drive for the city alone and they they then allowed us after you know many many um discussions and meetings on how we could do this effectively and how we could uh, really benefit not only them but us uh, in the process we were able to cover the entire street
street with their our art departments were able to come in and take down signage and light posts and stop signs and and that that's only half of it though the other half would be that they they can then start doing their job of you know dressing the different markets that they want um and 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 the, the street corners and and bringing in all of our different vehicles which you know at the time are only horse drawn uh, which are very difficult to find nowadays you can imagine um and then the other side of that is going into some of the uh the interior locations that we use which we didn't fully realize until recently that every interior and most of the exteriors that we use in the film are all registered on the national registry of historic places and so to be able to even shoot in there is quite an honor and, and, and a trust that we were able to build with some of these owners and even city officials to, to do that. But it also put an additional weight on our art department and that they had to come in and not only respect the the authenticity, but also amplify it and use it for the film. Um, and believe it or not, that required an unbelievable amount of dressing and masking and, and uh, creating what we want, not just how it stood. Uh, but yeah, the, the art department themselves working hand-in-hand with our cinematographer, uh, even on, like, the lighting design of the entire film and using sets and and practical lights and fire sources from from that time um, to not only light these elements but also remain uh, authentic to that period. Uh, It was a coordination throughout, and, again, I I work with an amazing team of filmmakers and and, um, to to be able to come in and, and do it on such... Uh, a large scale for an indie film. It was, a, it was an amazing experience, and and in the end, I can look back and and pat them all on the back for the work the work that they've done in a finished product of the film. Yeah, I, again, yeah, it just looks great. It, it really looks great. So, all those people working together, it's absolutely it and it's all on screen. And I'm, I we talked off Mike a little bit about you know how much did you spend on this film, and you don't have to talk about the number, but I'm just. I, it wasn't a lot of money, by certainly by a uh, film standards. Film usually uh, a film that looks this good costs a lot more money, and I just uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I just wanted to make sure people understand that this is just another element to what is already a, a very well done film. And uh, with that, I'd like to lead into a discussion about our the actors, the cast here, and. Uh, just, there's just so many people to point out, but let's start with Laura uh, Sweetser, who plays the, the critical role in the film of the daughter, Allie yeah. Perot. Yeah. Allie Perot. Yeah. Perot. Yeah. I, so I, I actually met Lauren um, on a previous short film that I was doing. It was the first time that Lauren and I had worked together, and I got the opportunity to work with our casting director for the first time on a short film that was also a period film, and it was a, um, it was a half-hour segment about. Um, a turn of the century bordello that still stands today and we were doing kind of a a uh, a profile on that so i cast lauren um and we we all came back into believe it or not we came back into arkansas from la to shoot this project and while we were shooting that i was not i was not only very impressed with her but her interpretation of the characters from script to uh, the screen uh was very impressive and i remember the last day that we were shooting on this particular film I had already written the riot act and I asked Lauren before, you know, before she had left, we had developed a pretty good relationship on set and I wanted her to read. I wanted her to read for this character. She read the script. She loved the script, fell in love with the character. And that's the rest is pretty much history. Lauren and I 
then teamed up to produce the film. And within a year of shooting our last one, our last short film, we were in production on the Riot Act in the same location on some of the same streets and in the same building that we had shot previously. So it's, it's quite a story. And, and, um, and, and you're right. I, I couldn't be more happy with the portrayal of the character and, and the, the ambiguity that she carries with her. I feel like she's a hard, she plays a hard character to read, which is how Allie was written. Yeah. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't be more happy with, with Lauren's performance. Lauren got her start in uh, Winter's Bone. Is that right? Is that her first, was that her first, well, certainly her first big film that she was in, right? That's right. And yeah. that was, that was also filmed in Arkansas as well. I believe so. I think, yeah, yeah. I think it was in more the northern part of the state towards yeah. Missouri, uh, but yeah. Yeah, what a great beginning to a career. Uh, it's sure. one, of, one of the great films, in my opinion. Right. I just, I still think that's uh, just a tremendous uh, piece of work. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's a great, it's a great jumping off point for her. And, and yeah, you're right. She's just really good in it. She's, a, she's, uh, she's able to play a, a wide range of different uh, situations in the film, and um, I think she was terrific. Uh, uh, her father, who plays uh, Willard. Uh, Pierrot is uh, played by Brett Cullen. It's a, a nuanced portrayal of someone who is sort of unraveling, mm-hmm. uh, who is a very tough taskmaster uh, to the point of being more than that, almost sadistic. But a man driven by his internal kind of motivation seems to be that he's angry at the world. Something's eating mm-hmm. him up. And I thought that Brett Cullen did a, a wonderful job of of bringing a lot of nuance to that uh, that uh, portrayal. Yeah, I agree. I, I think something that Brett does so well is Brett can give you a confusing signal of two different messages at the same time. He can he can be performing your your surface performance, but then if you you can really see a different motivation behind his eyes, and that's something I was looking for specifically for this role when Liz sent him to us. Um, and when I got the call from Brett after he had seen the script and he really connected with the character and it's, it's not a particularly familiar character for him. He's not played something like that, uh, so much in his career. I think that it, it was somewhat of a challenge for him, um, early on to, it, that he wanted to take on, um, but it was so different. And I feel, I feel there are certain moments in the film when you see Brett's range really come out. Um, and that he can he can make you think one thing um, for one second, and then you know not even ten fifteen seconds later you're questioning whether that was authentic or not. And I think that, that again lent really perfectly to this character in a way that after Brett played Doctor Perot, I I couldn't really imagine anyone else playing him. Yeah, no, he's terrific. He's terrific. There are so many. There are really a number of really very very good performances in this. And let's get to Connor Price, who plays uh, August in the film. And he's a sort of sneaks up on you kind of uh, role of one of the most dynamic characters, if not the most dynamic character in the film, in the sense that, as I just said, it's sort of something that his character's arc really uh, drives the film, especially in the second half. Sure. And I, I think you said it perfectly with his dynamics really define his character. You know, he, he's one of the few characters that you never really understand his motivation entirely. Right. Our other two characters, it, it's pretty apparent. Um, but with August, it was meant to, 
to carry a certain level of ambiguity um, that really kept you questioning his internal motivations. And to be honest, this was a character that I felt was was one of the more complex. You know, he's not the main character in the film, but you, you mentioned it also that his arc uh, is almost more important in that he's the he's the person that I feel we the viewer uh, will connect with the most um, in the, just the internal conflict of of how, what means are you using in dealing with this particular conflict. You have you have the personal means between the father and daughter and then you also have a different motivation coming from august that we find out in the middle of the film uh and it it really makes us look at him and his his motivation differently but it's interesting because uh it was one of the most importantly played roles in that i I felt like the the actor who played this role had to be very strong and had to be able to stretch themselves um in several different ways a good distance to play it and the funny interesting story about casting connor we had actually had the role cast uh, when we first saw connor's tape and our casting director liz sent us connor's tape after we had unofficially already locked someone in and she said listen i i I think you guys really should give him a listen i know you've already made a decision but um it's a really strong performance and we all sat around the table and watched connor's performance um and immediately started uh, backtracking on what we had already set in, set into motion. Fortunately, um, we hadn't made any calls yet, and we were able to lock Connor into that spot to play August. And and again, I I, I look at Connor's performance, the different levels of dynamics that Connor has and can oh. offer as an actor. I feel like he has a long and very successful career ahead of him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There are a number of other people, but in the interest of time. <laughs> I would love to talk about some of these other roles. I, I love uh, Micah Hopman in it as the he comes in as the head of the vaudeville act uh, that is performing at the at the theater. He's he really the camera loves him, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my Agreed. opinion, and and he really is a very uh, charismatic performer and. Uh, I just uh, I, I've seen him in a number of films now in stereo. I saw him in Rust Creek. Uh, so he was in, yeah, just he just really has he kind of has an it factor if he gets the right role. He really is. Yeah, he's Mike, Mike yeah. really stood out in a way that I didn't expect. To be completely honest with you, the character was written very eccentrically, and he took that and really adapted it to himself and what he how he wanted to play it. And, and Mike and I had uh, several discussions about it and. When he, when I remember shooting his first scene, he hadn't been on the ground long when uh, we started shooting him for the first time, and it gave a different life to the character, which I think what all great actors do, they give a life to it that didn't yet exist in the script, and I agree, uh, he, he was a standout performance, and, and you don't watch this movie without talking about Micah in, in that role. Yeah, I, I really, even though the story didn't call for it, I, I, I would love to have seen more of his of him in it because he, he felt he felt dynamic and and uh but that that's another there's a there's the sort of that subtext of the film is about the the troupe of performers and sort of how they play into uh the bigger drama but um a great cast sure. just a great cast yeah. uh, Devin. uh so well uh, again i mentioned earlier that the the films won a number of awards tell us a little bit about the rollout for the film for um the Riot Act. 
So we had uh, we had a small theatrical release across the Midwest uh, in the South last year, um, and now on October the eighth, the uh, the movie will be available everywhere on video on demand um, and and uh, DVD. And so it's now making its appearance to the you know the, the broader audience that we've been waiting for. And yeah, we're excited to finally have the rollout and excited to see what people think about it. The film's website is riotactmovie.com. And it also has a Facebook page, which you can imagine is uh, very similar. It's uh, facebook.com, The Riot Act Movie. And then it also has, what else What have else we got for social media? I think we have an Instagram at, uh, uh, account as well. We do, Instagram as well. Yeah, Instagram, which is, as you would imagine, um, Riot Act Film, or, uh, however, you, <laughs> however you kids put it, but Instagram.com backslash riotactfilm.com. And my congratulations to you for this film, The Riot Act, but also creating a very rich-looking film with a wonderful, wonderful cast of people in it. It is a really well-done film, and my, my hat's off to you for it. Well, I appreciate it, Mike, and, and um, I know the, the rest of the crew and the cast will be uh, very appreciative to hear that. Let, we worked hard for it. You did. It looks like it looks like a film where everyone was all in. You really created a look, a feel. You were really able to capture that a time that the the film took place, and there are a lot of very creative elements in it. So, uh, congratulations to you, Devin Parks, for the film, and please come back. I whatever comes down the the road for you in terms of projects, I, I look forward to another conversation with you, Devin Parks, director writer of the film The Riot Act. Devin, thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Mike. It it was a pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.